Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Starting part two of a series that we have called Love Handles. We are dealing with all your love handles. And so tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, we're, we're dealing with your love handles. We're finally dealing with your love handles today. So don't say that in a mean way. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're dealing with all things relationships, and we had a fun time with it last week. Doesn't matter if you're single, married, divorced, um, married, but wish you were divorced, you're in the right place today. And I'm telling you, I believe that God's got a message for your life today. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. Um, we'll have the finale of it next week. And so, and as the video announcement said, we're going to start our Easter series to come back in just a couple weeks. So really, really excited about that. If you have your app that you were, uh, the, the Radiant Church app, which you should all have right now, open it up because your sermon notes are on there. And I'm going to give you the title. If you're here in person, you can write down the title. Um, if you're at home, write down the title because today is a message I believe you will never forget. We are going to talk today about how to get a handle on marriage, getting a handle on marriage. And what is this idea of marriage? If you're not married or you wish you weren't married, you're in the right place. I'm telling you, I think God's going to really challenge you today with this message. And so I'm not going to preach this message alone. I'm going to preach the message with a, a, a couple that I think have one of the most, the healthiest marriages I know. They've challenged Katie and I in an incredible way. And if you're, if you're new to Radiant, you might not know who they are. If you've been around, I just want you to know you've heard them. Uh, they get to preach often. They are, uh, they are rocks of who God has uh, planted here at Radiant Church. And really the fruit of what we've seen with our locations and our discipleship and our ministries that we've seen here is because of them I'm telling you, they have some wisdom to offer you. If you're, if you're in this place, you need to be taking lots of notes today because we're going to have a lot of fun with Emco. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to welcome Dr. Doug Lay and Pastor Paula Lay to the stage today. The best of the best of the best. And, and y'all might not know this couple. They are just rock stars. And so they moved here um, early in the church days. And... Yeah. And got involved. Uh, Dr. Doug, I remember, I mean, you're a guy that's traveled the world. Y'all both have traveled the world, lived as missionaries. You'll give a little bit of your story in a little bit. But uh, you started, you're like, hey, where can I serve? Tell everybody where you started serving. I think this is important. <laughs> I served in the nursery. Come and, on, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even believe kids should be born until they're five years old. So that means you can serve even outside your gifts to help build the body of Christ. And so... <laughs> Started serving, and they do a great job. Pastor Doug kind of helps pastor a lot of our staff, even though he oversees Serving Beyond Borders, which is a huge ministry that does incredible things around the world. And Paula it serves on our executive leadership team. She oversees all of our ministries here at Radiant Church, and she really helps direct our church into where we're going into discipleship and groups and next steps. And so we love you guys. We celebrate y'all. But you're on this stage not because of your incredible things you've done in ministry, but because I've seen the behind the scenes of your life and they have an incredibly healthy marriage that we're going to be able to learn from. But before we get there, it's a big deal because Pastor Doug um, and, and Paula have released their very first book. And I'll tell you this because um, I try to read a lot. So I try to figure out if books are good or not. And honestly, if I make it past the first few chapters, then I'll read the whole book. I don't make it past the first few chapters of a lot of books because they're just not worth reading. This book, The Perfect Parent, is worth reading. It is an incredible, incredible book. And um, I, I was a little skeptical because I'm like, come on, let me see. And I read it. I told Kate, I was like, this is a fantastic book. So they, they re uh, released this book recently. Uh, Pastor Doug, tell everybody, why did you write this book? Well, if you noticed, the family and children and that has been under assault. And 
everyone has an opinion on how to parent. And then I just came to realize, and I've been preaching it for many years, that there is a perfect parent. It's not us, that's for sure. <laughs> it's God. And so Lord showed me principles from his word of how he parented the great heavenly father, Adam and Eve, and the principles we can learn from that and how to parent our children. Because, again, we all have opinion, but why not look at the one who's perfect? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Pastor Paula, uh, I know there's uh, a few of these available today at every location. How can there people get them? Are, well, when you exit, if you go to the gray tent, there'll be some of them out of out there, but they are a limited supply, so we're going to ask that just parents would take one today. Um, at Serving Beyond Borders, we don't take money at church, so it will be for a donation if you want to do that. It's suggested $10. I feel like I'm selling something here, and I'm not. <laughs> um, and if you can't afford it, that's okay. Take one, because we really care more about your parenting than we do your pocketbook. Come so. On. We would love for you to have one of those. That's awesome. Y'all get the book. I'm telling you, it's really, really good. Let's, let's sell all of them today, even though you're not selling something. So I love that. All right. So a little bit, give us a little bit of, of your story. Kind of give us a little of the background of who Doug and Paula are. Well, this is going to be really quick because I know we have a lot of information to get through. Um, but Doug and I both come from our product of bad marriages. Doug's was a broken marriage in his extended family. And mine looked really good on the outside but was really bad underneath. And a lot of you can relate with that. Um, we started dating at 15, a very sinful relationship. We got married at 19. But the great news is that Jesus saved us at 18. So we went. And I think we have a picture. Can I throw up a picture of you guys? Yeah. Uh, I believe we have. Come on, we're, let's see. There they uh, are, right there. That's we look the same. We haven't changed that, a bit. That is changed. the '80s dress, people. It was in style. Trust Come me. on. Yeah. Fashion glass. Yes. You got those Bono I glasses, Doug. I know. I was cool were, even before. They, exactly. They, everything old is new again. So there we go. Um, but we married at 19, and at that time, we brought a lot of baggage with us because of our past into our marriage. Um, but early on, we decided we were going to follow God's biblical principles, and that changed our life. And so fast forward 38 years, um, we have four kids who love Jesus, and we have 15 grandkids, soon to be 18, in April. So yes, we are very prolific in our family. So yeah, we were on it. We were hanging out with them the other day, and I said, uh, name all the grandkids by age of order, and they did pretty good. <laughs> like 15 of them is pretty good. I think we have a picture of the grandkids, because um, I know the families are going to watch this, and they want to show them off. That's, yeah, that's a lot of them, not all of them, but that's a lot of them right yeah, there. And they're so. all over the world, so we couldn't get all of them together, but yes. That's awesome. Go. All right, we're going to do something before we get into the content. I know we got a lot to say, but we're going to play a little game. If you're sitting with your spouse, you can play this game also because it's got a lot of fun. Um, and I've got different, because we're going to preach this four times today, so I've got different questions, and they've never seen any of these, so I thought it'd be fun. So you're going to throw up the paddle of who is the person that is known for this, okay? So we're gonna have a lot of fun. So one is, if you can't tell, one is a blue, one is a pink paddle, uh, him and her, and her. So we kind of got the idea. So um, who is the better driver? <laughs> oh, conflict, <laughs> immediately conflict right there. All right, who you, usually picks the Netflix show? Oh. We don't, we don't have Netflix. I know. <laughs> they don't have Netflix, all right, we need to work on that. Who picks the movie? The guy? Okay, okay, Doug. All right. All right. Uh, who is the spender when it comes to money? Whoa! <laughs> Conflict yet again. Wow. All right. Maybe there's some marriage things we have to work on. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, this is a good one. Uh, if you know them, this is a fun one. All right, who talks the most? 
Wow. The, both on the same page there. Um, who's most likely to get lost on a trip? Oh. Yeah, okay, great. All right, who, this is, uh, this will be the last one, just because it's fun. Who's the better dancer? Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, we, uh, Doug, we, when we talk about this, we talked about Genesis 2, verse 24. It talks about kind of a foundation when it comes to marriage. And, and this is the verse. It's right there in your notes. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined together with his wife, and they shall become one flesh this is the, kind of the key verse for marriage. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Rawr, that's a good one right there. So uh, kind of give us the idea of marriage here. This verse is so counterculture. It is literally revolutionary now out in society. The way marriage is under assault, the way people look at marriage. Just watch the social media. Just watch movies and television and stuff. Marriage is always put down. And if you look at it, it's actually from God. Marriage is from God. And it makes you have to ask yourself the most important question. So if you want to have a great marriage, this is where it starts. You have to ask yourself, will I listen to the world or will I listen to the word of God? Come on. I'm telling you, if you stop and you think about that, all the bad things that have been put into our mind, above those of us who've lived in the West from the longest of times, you, you ask yourself, what am I going to listen to? The world? I've been doing research. This is the kind of nerdy things I've been I've been studying about marriage even before I knew we were going to speak. I've been working on some things of how did the how did marriages get so bad in, in the society? It started in around the 18th century. In the age of the Enlightenment, these philosophers and social scientists were writing, literally saying that marriage is a social construct put into to oppress people, and, it's, and it ruins people's lives. And, and they had a formula to literally to tear down families and marriages. And, and that's fun when it's in academia and, you know, in your, your gender studies class and your sociology class at college. But, but now we're seeing it played out in real life. And what it realizes, people have been listening to the world instead of the word of God. Because the Bible's very clear. Do not love the world or the things of the world. That's what 1 John says. Yeah. Do not love the world or the things of the world. The Bible tells us that do not be conformed to this world yeah. in your marriage, I would say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we know that? By putting truth in there. Now, where's truth at? I know that's a big you know, what is truth? Well, I'll tell you what truth is. It's the word of God. Because yeah. if you're a follower of Jesus... You have to follow what he said. Don't just follow him. Follow what he said and what he did. And he says in John 17, while he's praying to the Father, sanctify them, set apart his followers in truth. And then he goes, your word is truth. Mm. So you want truth, it's the word of God. And if you know where the word of God leads, Psalm 1 is a beautiful thing. It's so many other passages, Joshua 1, 8, Psalm chapter 1, James 1, 22 through 25. These verses talk about if you follow God's word, you study it and you meditate on it and you do it, you're going to be successful. And you want a successful marriage, that's where it starts. Yeah, and it's always interesting to us because we do travel around the world. We've lived on four continents. And marriage exists all over the world, from the jungles of Papua New Guinea to the deserts of wherever. 
And it's really interesting to us because only in the Western world are we trying to deconstruct marriage. Around the world in non-Western cultures, they're not the ones that are abolishing marriage or trying to redefine marriage. So marriage is a beautiful thing that existed from the very, very beginning of time as we are. But in read. the West, it's under assault, and we have to recognize that, and the world is against what God's word says when it comes to marriage. You know, I love what y'all are talking about because we talk about the importance of it. We always bring it back to the Bible. At Radiant Church, we always have a foundation of, you know, it's not our opinion, it's God's word. Yeah. So what is kind of the theology? Why do people get married? What is it? What is the whole, like, behind the scenes of Let's take marriage? a moment. Yes. After Aaron said the word theology, yes, yes, I just yes. get so excited. Because <laughs> yeah. theology is behind everything, whether you admit it or not. So what is yeah. the theology of marriage? If you get this, this, this could change and revolutionize your marriage. Mm. It's Christ and his bride, the church. That's the theology behind it. Marriage represents a heavenly thing. Jesus Christ coming for his bride, the church. And we have a chance to represent heaven here on earth. So, I mean, that changes how we think about marriage. It's like, oh, this is, I get, I get to represent heaven on earth to people. So when I think about how I treat Paul, I have to think, how would Jesus treat his church? Would he yell at her? Would he abuse her? Would he mock her and be smart aleck to her? No, no, no. He would lift her up. He would build her up. He would treat her right. And so that's, that theology. If you get that, it should drive how you enter into marriage. Yeah. And, you know, one of the thing of be, things of being a pastor and being in ministry for many, many years is people come to us for answers to questions and heartaches. And, you know, it's always interesting to me that the first place that we should go to is usually the last place we go to. The first place is the Bible. Yeah. It has answers. Now, I know it, you have to wade through sometimes. You sometimes need people to help you and lead you along that path. But one of the greatest passages that you will ever find is in Ephesians 5. And it's the whole passage on marriage. And we're not going to go into that today because we don't have time. But you have homework because Doug is a professor and he always gives homework. I love I get homework, homework too. So here you he go. He does. Ask the Radiant Evening College, yes. Um, but really, we want to encourage you to read through Ephesians 5 and find out what God's word says about it. Now, some of the women will get this. Wash, rinse, repeat. Do you get that? Wash, rinse, repeat. So our, our challenge to you today is read, study, and apply. Read, study, and apply. So, so let's just call it out. If you're struggling in your marriage, which we all have had issues in our marriage, <laughs> we talk about we go all over the world. I don't care what culture you're in, they struggle in their marriage. There's no perfect marriage because that's part of fall, part of the sin. That's why we sing those songs about Christ taking our sin. He can redeem us and he can redeem our marriage. But, but, but study the word of God and see what it says and let it speak to you and let that theology drive you. And I'm telling you, study it. See what it says for yourself because we have our opinions. We all have our opinions on marriage. But what changed us is what does God's word say about it? Do And my wife, she's a, <laughs> this is a compliment, okay? This is, she's a word nerd, okay? I did not just start a fight with my wife. She's a word nerd. She loves, do word studies in there. Because you'll hear these things like, the man is the head of the wife. Oh, what does that mean? How oppressive. That's horrible. Wife, submit to your husband. Oh, that's terrible. No, they're actually beautiful words that talk about freeing relationships right. and helping build up one another in that. So don't listen to us. You study. You let the Holy Spirit work through God's word and watch what he can do in your marriage. I love this. I love this idea, the theology of it. Just made me think of the, uh, when you talk about how we should represent Christ and his church, um, I heard it said one time that if an unbeliever walks up to you and says, man, I just can't understand God's love. I can't get a picture of God's love. You should be able to say, do you see how I treat my spouse? Yeah. 
that is God's love for you. And I wonder if people looked at your marriage, if they saw that as what would draw them closer to God or go, ooh, I don't want that kind of relationship with God. God, if God spoke to me that way, you know, if God, God spoke, speaks to humanity that way, no, there's no way that he would speak the way we speak to each other. And I really challenged Katie and I on making sure that we are an example to the world of what God has done for us. All right, so we're going to get really practical because what I love is 38 years marriage 38 years that's that's a little longer than 10 years i noticed you asked me not him well i know i just <laughs> i knew i don't want to throw him under the bus here so i know you knew you had to prepare for this message so we had to, i know there's most of my moments so we're going to get really practical of how how do we have a marriage how do we get a handle on our marriage that is a great question and doug and i came up with three points that we're going to go through we could have come up with a lot more but we kind of as we talked through and prayed through it we just said these are three things that we really think that if you take home even one of these today your marriage is going to be different and so we want to share that with you and you know marriage really isn't that difficult now i know you're all getting ready to look throw tomatoes at me but you know what we don't want to listen to the lies of the enemy. We want a renewed mind. Yes. So I would ask, even as that we are sharing these, that you would ask the Holy Spirit to show you what needs renewed in your mind, in your heart. And, and let me say with that, you can have a good marriage and not be a believer in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, let's just be honest. You probably know people. I know atheists who actually have good marriages. And I know people who go to church, they love Jesus, and their marriages are horrible. Mm. Wait a minute, how can that be? Again, look behind the curtain. If you see the ones with the good marriages are actually following biblical principles and they don't even know it, yeah. and the ones yeah. who say they love Jesus but they're not following God's word, it's really not that difficult. Just see what God's word says and then do it. And so, well, it's easy to know what to do. Right, right. Sometimes it's right, hard right, to do right, it. Right. So, yeah, let right. me not make it like, ah, yeah. oh, just go home, sing a yeah. song, and everything will be fine. <laughs> well, if you sing a radiant song, it'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. But, yeah. All right, but, so let's give the first yeah, one. The first one is really clear. And this is probably one of our main things we say to one another. Just outserve one another. Come on. Just outserve one another. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, if Paul is a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to imitate him. And Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. So just serve one another. And, and I love Jesus when he says that I came and I washed the disciples' feet. So if I'm Lord and Master, you too ought to wash one another's feet. And so you wash each other's feet. And, well, I don't know what you do on your date night. That's between you and the Lord. <laughs> washing feet, washing is part of that. But, but, but I think it's fair. <laughs> I tried to joke. It didn't work, okay? I, I, I'm not as funny as Pastor. I tried, though. But in all seriousness... We, we did, and Paul actually really modeled this well, and it, it caught my attention. We were early in marriage, and we were having dinner with a, some family members, and so she goes, Doug, I'll get your dessert for you, and she got up to get me the pie, I think it was, and, and oh, these women, they were kind of, let's just say they were not pro-male, okay, and I, he can get his own food. Why are you getting up and getting it? And she said something to the effect, and I heard her. She goes, yeah, he can get up and get his own food, but I want a good marriage. And she served me. And I'm going, why would I not want to serve her yeah. if she has that attitude? And so. Yeah, and it's the little things that really count. You know, the grand gestures are great. But, you know, it's that every day in and out serving each other. And we really do. It's almost like a competition. <laughs> yeah. It's a good competition. It's a good competition. But, you know, it's like when I come down the stairs in the morning, I wake up really early, but I actually, like, come to life about two hours after I wake up, if anybody can relate to that. But when I come down the stairs, you know what I have waiting for me? A cup of coffee and a kiss. Because my husband knows that 
I need that <laughs> before I talk. But you know, it really is just those little things. It's not that difficult. How can you serve that person and, today? And, and I had to learn that because I wake up like Tigger. I'm like, where are you going? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, honey? What are you going to do? Or, you know, first two or three years of our marriage, this was her symbol. No, Doug. Let me have my <laughs> Sometimes still the symbol, yes. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Do I want her to listen to me or do I want to serve her? Yeah. yeah. And so just the little things you learn about each other and don't turn it into a battle. Turn it into an opportunity to serve. Yeah. You know, your, your role as a Christian is always foundational in the idea that we are called to serve. So your title might change throughout your life. So you might go from, uh, you know, the uh, CEO or might be uh, janitor. It doesn't matter what you are. Your, your, your thing that you still do is you still serve. So whether you're a pastor or you're a small group leader, you're still called to serve. Whether you're married or you're single, you're called to serve. And I think marriage is it's not one of those times that you can let your foot off the gas of serving. You should be serving even more. Yeah. The most important person you should be serving is your spouse, putting them first. And I hope it's a challenge for some of them up there. Let me just throw this question at you guys. Uh, not in our notes, but if someone sits there and says, my husband or my wife doesn't do anything for me. They never think of me. They're not, you know, it's always wait, they're waiting for me to serve. How would you spark that yeah. in their kind okay, of relationship? Off the, off the cuff, but there's a story I have actually in my uh, back of my mind. I've always remembered it. There was a woman who went to a, a counselor, and she said, my husband treats me horrible, and I want to stick it to him. I want a divorce, and I want to stick it to him. And he goes, okay, here's what you do. You start treating him nice. You start serving, making his favorite meals, doing things, greet him when he comes home with a kiss, and just, and then when he starts getting comfortable, then we'll just get him. We'll stick it to him and take him for everything he has. So the woman did this, and she did this, and she comes back to the counselor after a few months, and he goes, okay, are, are we ready to file for divorce? And she goes, why would I want to do that? We've never got along better than ever. I mean, this has <laughs> changed our whole marriage. Don't worry about your spouse. Worry about you. That's very good. And Because you're going to answer to the Lord for how you treated your spouse, not for how he treated you or she treated you. So, I mean, I got a great one. I mean, <laughs> she's the best. But, but, that, even if, but I tell people, but even if she was bad and she has bad days, I still, I can't worry about that. I have to worry about me. That's awesome. So that's, yeah. All right, number two, what do we do? Second thing. Speak words of life to one another. This is the game changer. This literally took our marriage from good to great. When we learned that, how do we speak to one another? Have you ever been with those couples and you're having dinner together and they start the attacks on one? Those little, you know, you just kind of put your head down and just start eating and not, well, you know, let the bullets fly over you. Don't be that couple. <laughs> yeah. Don't be that, that couple. Yeah. Speak, you know, the Bible's very clear in Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's only two kinds of words you can say to your spouse. Are you going to say words of life that build them up, that encourage, or are you going to tear them down? And Paul is really good at this. I, she models this well for me. Because, women, you got to understand this. Men, we kind of have egos, okay? We, we want to succeed in business. We want to succeed in, you know, sports. We, we want to be top of the board at CrossFit, right? You know, that's how we are. Woo! Got a CrossFit reference in there. I got, I got points <laughs> with you, Pastor Aaron. So I was anyway. waiting for it. You know, when I mess up, and I've messed up plenty of times in her life, my wife never rubs it in. She never, like, I told you. She always uses words of encouragement. Yeah, Doug, okay, it'll get better. It, yeah, we're going to go through this, but it, it'll be okay. And she encourages me. She speaks words of life into it. And why would I want to be a bad husband to a woman who speaks words of life into me? And on those days when I feel less than, less than pretty, less than adequate, less than anything, I have a husband who speaks words of life to me in those times. And for husbands, I just want to encourage you and wives, like the words that you speak, 
um, have massive, massive impact. You know, in those bad hair days where it's not just a bad hair day, it's a bad everything day. Let's make sure that we are the ones who are our spouse's greatest encourager. I know have, I have the greatest encourager when the world is falling apart around me. I always tell men, hey, we're going to throw down and get in a fight if you ever tell my wife she's not the most beautiful woman in the world because I've convinced <laughs> her she is. So just keep quiet, okay? It's very, very good. You know, I've, we've said it many times that people usually become what the most important person in their life believes they can become. So, so you, you will become what they, what they believe you can become. So I just, I'm a firm believer that my primary role is to be Katie's biggest cheerleader. Y'all have done that with each other in your marriage. And I would just challenge those couples in here today. It is very easy to spot the dirt. Look at the gold, especially when you live with them. When you wake up next to them, you only see their flaws. And when you do that, it's very easy to speak those flaws and instead of speaking their future and their potential. Speak yeah. words of life. It will transform your marriage. And if they don't do it ever, um, don't ever give it back to you like that, it's okay. Keep speaking words of life because they will become what you speak over them. And if you go, my, my spouse is so negative all the time. Probably because you keep telling them they're negative all the time. Speak words of life. All right, number three, and we'll close with this one. That one's a little different. You might not have ever thought about it, but have life-giving friends. Surround yourself with life-giving friends because what are people speaking into you? What are you hearing? Not only from the world, but just even from those you surround yourself with. When I was early, we got married young, and I mean, from the time I was 15 years old, men in my city who played basketball went to the courts from 5 to 9 o'clock at night every night. I'm married at 19 years old. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go play ball. And my wife's like, aren't we going to have dinner? What? So I'm telling my friend, hey, you going to come down the courts? No, I'm going to stay home and have dinner with my wife. Well, you can imagine what my friend said. Oh, you're hooked, you whip guy. Come on, be a man. Tell her what, who's running the house? And I'm like, well, you know what? I can hang out with you, or I, but I sleep with her, you know? So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to build into my marriage instead of you guys. And I don't know those guys to this day, but I'm still married happily to her. So... Who, yeah. The Bible's clear in 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. People who speak death over your marriage are going to ruin your marriage. You know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Says that, let me translate that. One bad apple can ruin the whole bunch. So be careful who you listen to. And I think for many of us, we can relate with this. Maybe we have non-Christian families or some of the people that are very close to us, not necessarily friends, um, are not giving us necessarily the best advice about marriage. So what our encouragement is to you is, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in marriages. There's going to be a person that you run to sometimes. Make sure that person is sound in the word of God, that they are a proponent of marriage, that they are for marriage. On those rough spots where it would be easy to say, no, leave, find friends, be a friend. If you're a single person or another married person who speaks life, who's that good friend, who just encourages people in marriage, because it's a rough spot sometimes and we all need And for that. single people, we just want to say, you can start practicing for marriage now of just literally, how do you speak to your friends? How do you speak to one another? Uh, who are you surrounding yourself with? The negative things that are being put into your mind and stuff. And you can be the friend that's encouraging your married couples that you know. And that. You know, I thought today would be so important because, um, you know, the culture has done a really uh, terrible disservice to us of providing goals of, you know, the, the young couple that looks good. They meet each other randomly. They fall in love. It's the notebook store. You know, it's like this whole, like, it's so this great start 
but in reality, that fizzles out so quickly. And what I want the 13-year-old that's at our at St. Pete right now, and the the 25-year-old who's going, I mean, what is what is marriage all about? I wanted you to see them. I want you to see that this is goals. Goals is is not so much a great start. Goals is learning how to sustain it on God's word, doing it God's way, and you will get God's result, which is a happy and healthy and lifelong marriage to one person the rest of your life. That's the goal, and we thank you guys for that. Any last challenges, last words? Yeah, I I like to read a story. Uh, You know, it really is true. The theology, don't miss the theology. I don't want to get cliche-ish, but we're living heaven on earth right now in our marriage. And you can too. Because, <laughs> man, if you knew our background, we went to our 10-year high school reunion, and they literally were shocked we were still together. We started bad, but we're going to finish well by God's grace. And you can too. So no matter where you're at, don't believe it's over. God can restore and do miracles, and that's the most amazing thing. But if you do it wrong, you get a little taste of the other side. It's not heaven on earth. So why not do it God's way? Why not do it according to God's word? I love doing weddings. I don't do them very much now getting that age but I come out of retirement but every but every time I do a wedding uh, I tell this story it's one of my favorite stories so I want to share it with the whole church comes from a man named Fred Smith and I heard it years ago he said one of my treasured memories comes from a donut shop in Grand Saline Texas there was a young farm couple sitting at a table next to mine he was wearing overalls and her a gingham dress after finishing their donuts he got up to pay that to pay the bill And I noticed that she didn't get up to follow him. But then he came back and stood in front of her. She put her arms around his neck, and he gently lifted her out of the chair and backed out of the front door to the pickup truck. And with her hanging from his neck and her lifeless legs hanging, he put her into the truck. Everyone in the shop watched. No one said anything until a waitress remarked almost reverently. He took his vow seriously. This is a moment maybe for some of you to remember the vows you made. And maybe thinking you've been listening to the world too much. You've let others speak death into your marriage and it's time now to let God speak life into it. To do it in a way that God said that you can, it can go beyond all that you ask or imagine. We sometimes can't believe from where he took us to where we are. And it's only by his grace. Remember what you vowed and remember what he can do. And it can even be better. Can we pray for him, Pastor Paula? Can you maybe start? And let's pray for all of our marriages. And if you're single, man, just pray, pray over that person in your future of who God has for you. Let's, let's take this moment and pray. Father, we come into your presence because you tell us we can. And we're so grateful for that. So right now, we ask, Father God, that you would work in all of our hearts in this room, whether we are married, whether we're in a happy marriage or a difficult marriage or a lost marriage. Maybe we've lost a spouse. Maybe we're single and longing for one. Father, we just want to thank you that you are a God of hope, that you are a God of promise, that your word promises that you will never leave or forsake us. So I ask in this moment that you would meet each of these people who are watching online around the world who are in this auditorium across our campuses that they would trust in you that they would look to a life-giving God who desires a greater thing for them and that is the love of a savior so thank you that in the midst of all of our pain and all of our happiness and all of the things that go on in our lives from the day to day that you are God and you 
will reveal yourself to us when we look to you. So thank you. Thank you that we can even step away from this day with hope and with joy, knowing that there's a better future for us. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, we're going to take a second, and uh, first of all, at every location, can we thank Pastor Doug and Paula for an incredible message, incredible challenge. I hope your, your faith is encouraged. I hope your marriage is strong. I hope you practice what you heard here today. I think there's probably one of those three that you need to circle on your notes. Now, don't reach over to your, uh, to your spouse's notes and circle one of those. That would not be healthy for them. But I do think it's important that, uh, that we practice these things this week. I know I was challenged by them. Um, there's one more group of people that are at all of our locations. We always like to address you before the end of the services, those who don't know God. They don't have the relationship with God. Pastor Doug, one of your passions is the gospel. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Give, give them yeah. the gospel message. I love my wife, but you know what? She doesn't fulfill my life. Only Jesus Christ can fulfill your life. We always say, a marriage will not bring happiness. Uh, how do we say it? <laughs> Marriage does not bring happiness to an unhappy life. Find happiness in Jesus. Find fulfillment in Jesus. That completes everything. And that just simply means to understand the gospel, that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God, to die on a cross for your sin. I call it your messed upness. All the baggage you're going to bring into your marriage, that's great. He can forgive it all. He wiped it all away at the cross. And the good news is he rose again after three days, and he's alive, and that's because he's alive. Christians don't die. Remember this. Christians don't die. We fall asleep because we're waiting for that resurrection, for that great marriage supper of the lamb where the king will come back and take his church his bride to be with him forever that's the gospel i'm gonna be there i believe my wife's gonna be there because the only person you know who knows the gospel is you and do you know the gospel it'll change your life and you can be part of that great marriage supper when Christ comes back for his bride, the church. So let's do this. Let's close our eyes at every location, right, right where you're at. Maybe God's speaking to you, and he's challenging you to, to make that step, to go all in with God. This is your moment to surrender your life to him and, and to start that relationship with him. You go, well, my life is messed up. That's okay. This is the perfect moment right now for you to make that commitment to Christ. So right there in your seat, if that's you, you go, Aaron, today's my day. I wanna get right with God. I wanna give him my sin. I wanna give him my past. I wanna surrender my life to him. On the count of three, I'm gonna have you throw that hand up right there in your seat. It's a simple yet significant decision to say, I'm going all in with God today. I'm making him my Lord and making him my savior. And when you raise that hand, I believe God's gonna meet you right there in that moment. If that's you on the count of three, throw that hand up. Ready? One, two, Three, come on, throw those hands up at all locations. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. People all over the room. I know at every location, thank you so much for raising your hand right there. You put your hand right back down. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together? Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I give you my future for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord. And be my Savior. Forgive my sins. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.